Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanja. You're very welcome, Bishop. So good to have you here. Thank you. This is the first time this is happening. And I have really longed for this for a very long time. Maybe it's my opportunity to be a journalist. <laughs> Bishop is the journalist, and right now I'm in his seat as journalist. Uh, I believe this is going to be very impactful in many ways, and I'll go for some random questions that many of these TV people have not asked you. So, Ray Daman, what comes to your mind when you say Ray Daman? Roy Daman, Roy Daman, the first person who laid hands on me, and uh, I believe I got an invitation that day because I was I had prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit for one year, and I had not I failed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I got into repenting. I spent one entire year repenting. Wow! Every visiting preacher who came and and and, and wanted to pray for people. This is 1989. Until I overheard one of my pastors tell the visiting preacher that that one is a problem case. Wow. Because I got saved every day, every, every day, every year. I mean, every Sunday for the whole year. The wonder people who are giving their lives to Christ, I went because I did not have assurance of salvation. Hmm. And what delivered me was a friend of mine called Peter Kasamba. He plays for the AYF. He... I went to him and I told him, you know what? I don't feel saved. Hmm. And he asked me why. He said that, you know, now I am committing too many, more sins than I'm committing when I was not born again. He told me, no, no, no. The moment you think you're committing more sins, you've just become aware of them. That means sins have now become foreign to you. You now carry a new nature. That's how I got delivered. Wow. So Roy Daman, shortly after that, comes to Uganda to conduct a, a mission. And I was an usher. Hmm. I had given up the hope of being filled with the Holy Spirit, the hope of speaking in tongues. And I decided to become an usher. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because me, I thought God forgot me. Yeah. And I had settled with that. Hmm. I'll help him deal with others. Wow. So this time around... I am an usher and uh, ushering people, and this guy is laying hands on people. And uh, he was there's another pastor who was holding anointing oil for him. As he's anointing people, he he gets to me mm. like like I'm behind. I'm on this. So he lays hands on this guy, and this guy falls down. And then he 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 reaches out to lay hands on me, and the pastor says, "No, that one is an usher." And the, and Roydaman says to him, "I know what I'm doing." Wow. So now I'm hearing this conversation. Hmm. I am an usher, but at the same time, the, the hand of the man of God, are on, the hands are on my head. That's the last thing I remember. I know what I'm doing. Wow. I woke up at 2.30. Now that service was from 10 to 12. <laughs> I woke up I woke up at 2.30 and for you when you get slain and, and, you, and you stand up immediately and you dust yourself eh? you didn't get what I got so for me for me up to 2.30 p.m. 
and I found myself, I thought I was in a coffin because I was under the pews of the church. Everywhere I was, I was seeing wood from a perspective I had never looked. Then I tried to lift my head, it was not working. I tried to lift my hands, they were not working. I tried to ask for help. And when I tried to say help, tongues were the ones coming up. I began to cry. I began to cry. I began to cry because, because now I was speaking in tongues and I wanted people to see me, but people are not seeing me. I was under the chair, I, uh, the, the pew, I could not lift a hand, I could not lift a leg. When I began to speak in tongues, I fell in again in the trance. And I stayed there for probably another 30 minutes. Then when I came back again, I, I, I realized my hand could work, but it was so heavy. The other hand could work, it was so heavy. And when I sat down, I realized that it was somebody had scraped up part of my back. I was so light. I remember, I didn't attend, there was a youth fellowship. I sat down, people were doing praise and worship. I was completely disconnected from their praise and worship. I picked up my, looked for my Bible, it was there. People hadn't started stealing stuff in church. Um, <laughs> um, and then I walked home. The journey from KPC then yes. to the old taxi park was the longest journey I have ever made in my life. I was crying, I was walking, I was worshiping, I was praying in tongues. Wow. And uh, when I entered the taxi, I kept my mouth on the, on the, my hand on the mouth speaking in tongues. And after five minutes when I remember, I remember that I was speaking in tongues and I think they've gone, I, I, I speak them and they are there. Wow, it was, so for me, Roy Daman, that's Roy Daman for you. Wow. 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 And have you, have you met him after that? Did you? I met him once, yes. Yeah. And I told him, I interviewed him like this. He came to Uganda about uh, 10 years ago. And, I, and at that time, I was still working for a TV station, about 10, 12 years. And I, 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 I told him hmm. that, human, you changed my life. And you know, he would put his hand on the, on the head and laugh. But I went to Canada, looked for him, I failed to find him. Yeah. But he's somebody I really want to sit with and uh, show him the impact yeah. and the effect of his, of his ministry of my life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Amen. That sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. guys, you, when, when you tell your story and it appears like mine, I realize you, you drank from the same source. Wow. wow. Yeah. But he's not the only guy that has laid hands on me. Boris Solo has laid hands on me. Yes, uh, tell us about that. He was here in KICC. 93. 1990, 91. 1991. 91. My dad was in that one also. Yes. Mm. He laid hands on me. And that, what, what was it? Was the experience similar or what no, happened? No, but I'd already been broken in. You see, the most important thing is the first time you're broken in. Yeah. And um, then. If you ever experience another breaking in, it will be a higher dimension. Mm. But all these other, the consequent laying on of hands, yeah. if they are not definite, yeah. like, like, like if they're not deliberate, that's what I'm looking for. Mm. It's, yes, it's an impartation, but it's adding to what was already there. Okay. So he, yeah, he laid hands on me too. 
Mm. And uh, there's a guy, another guy called Casey uh, Price, Price, I think. He yes. used to come with him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that one also laid hands on me. A lot of people and laid hands on me. And during that time, so as a young man, by, by, this, time, by this time you were in university, 91? 91, I was in senior six back. Senior six back. There was a lot of spiritual activity in that year because that's the same year when I did the three-day fast and God spoke to me about my ministry, uh, the ministry I'm going to do. He told me I was going to plant churches in 13 European nations wow. and three South African nations. Wow. And uh, he told me I was going to lead a lot of people. He told me I was going to work many miracles. Every time my life becomes frustrated, I go back to that day and I remember that one. But I almost died and God did speak to me in the three days I fasted. On the third day I could not walk. I was touching the walls like this. I was cold all over. My dad had just died. My dad died in, uh, on, on uh, August 10th, 1989. Mm. So I finished uh, 1991, March I ended S6. So I entered into a fast to hear God what he had, a, what plan he had for me. Mm. So on the third day my mother comes out and says that. She began to cry. She said, we lost your father, now we are going to lose you, his heir. What is it that you want God to do for you that he cannot do for you by just talking to him? <laughs> So she began to cry, yeah. and she said, God, give this, this boy what he wants. I can't face my in-laws with another dead body. They are already blaming me for the death of my husband. Now they shouldn't. <laughs> so I got out of the fast on the third, that third day, and God hadn't spoken to me. But on the fourth day, hmm. he spoke to me. Hmm. And I'm still holding on to those words, those dear words that wow. he spoke to me. Amen. So that, that's when... That's when he spoke to you about the ministry. The ministry, like yes. Oh, okay. Mm. And now this time as a young man in Form 6, uh, you come for Maurice Cerulum. That's Form 6 vacation. You come and attend. Uh, is it that in school, in Form 6, had you got like books of Maurice Cerulum? Had you had people no, like I, that? I was a member. Yeah. I was a member. I was a monthly supporter of Maurice Cerulum. I was part of God's victorious army. Wow. He had that thing. So every month he used to send us books. And these books had the, uh, like, you needed to fill them in, yeah. like a Bible school. Yeah. And uh, I do have that certificate somewhere. Of, wow. Uh, I have three certificates from his school. Wow. Yeah. You know, I remember them when I was young, they were always in our house, yes. the Victory Magazine. Yes. Yeah, I used to look at all those. And then there was a manual. There was a manual. A manual. Which was maroon. Yeah. You know, you go and pay your monthly subscription, then you get it. You pay your monthly subscription. I used to beg people to give me money to buy those those books. Wow. Yeah. Hey, that's amazing. You know, many of you are begging for money for for what? To change hair. To change hair. <laughs> yes. Wow. Do you do you remember I remember my parents used to sing some of those uh God's victory what victorious army songs do you remember God's got an army marching, marching through, through the land delivering is a song with healing in their hands with everlasting joy with gladness in their hearts in this army I've got a past this is the light of God in me hey wow we used to have an army here in would feel KICC. Wow. So one time, Maurice Solo brought a man, and by the way, wisdom, eh? 
he brought a man called Tunde Bakari. Yes, done from uh, yeah, Nigeria. Nigeria. So yeah. Tunde Bakari came and, and showed us a golden necklace. He said, do you see this? This is a gold necklace. 1989, Uganda has just come out of war. Eh? You know, we were picking Quencha. You know Quencha? Yes. From Kenya. Juice from Kenya. We were picking biscuits from Kenya. We were picking paraffin from Kenya. Uh, we were picking um, soap, blue band, milk, almost everything. Uganda, it had been a war zone. It had been a war zone from 1973 up to, up to 1986. It was a yeah. war zone. There was no industry working. There was the only thing we were exporting was coffee. Mm. Coffee. Yeah. Because coffee does not die. Yeah. So this guy shows us a gold necklace and he says, you need to sow a seed. He said, and you know, preachers use this language. Even if all you have is transport, so it God will bless you. I got my transport taking me back to Uganda. At that time, it was a thousand Kenya shillings. Yes. Taking me back to Uganda. I gave it as a seed. <laughs> the conference ended and there was no miracle. <laughs> you know, the money was too much. They counted that money until they, they spent the whole night counting money. And the next day after the conference ended the day before, they were still in KICC counting money. I decided to come back to KICC to tell them, you know what? The God you told me. <laughs> I gave the money. I remember very well. I don't think uh, Bishop Gitonga remembers. So he found me seated there. And he said, what do you want? I said, I'm from Uganda. I gave my money yesterday. Eh? And they told me I was going to get a breakthrough. Now, I, I honestly believe the man of God. Yes, yeah. So after waiting for like three hours, he comes with a thousand Kenya shillings and, and gives it to me. Then he asked me, do you even have anything to eat on the way? I told him no. Then he gave me some extra money. He told me, next time, don't be foolish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. So that's how I survived with the whisker. Yeah. Wow. So that's, uh, it's, it's also, it's very important as preachers to, to really mind what we, we say. Because the people listening, uh, yeah. Actually, people believe in God. Yeah. And because we want them to believe. That's why I'm very careful because people, people, I believe in a man of God, man. Mm. Uh. Wow. So Bishop, back to to Ray Daman, Roy Daman. Uh, do you like being a spiritual son to you? And uh, what really impacted me or drew me to to you as a minister was that demonstration of power. Because like almost whatever you're describing that happened to you when Ray Roy Daman laid hands on you is almost what happened to me the very first day. I encountered you. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think I was in a coffin, but I was also under seats. <laughs> You're not the only one. That seems to be the way people are baptized into Christ, that child. And I keep telling people that if the Holy Spirit is afraid of you, I can't trust you. <laughs> yeah. 
If you can't succumb to the power, <laughs> you're, no, you're not one of us. You're not one of us. In fact, I still have a vision of starting Pentecostal Students Fellowship. Wow. A fellowship that brings together Pentecostal students, strictly Pentecostal, who believe in slaying, speaking in tongues. We don't mm. want to be mixing seed here because there are some people who don't believe in speaking in tongues. Mm. And it's okay, they can live their defeated lives. Me, me. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, I, listen, listen, for me, yeah. This is what I consider to be one of the hard, the, the baddest, let me use the word, the baddest thing. If you find a man that tells the young people there is no speaking in tongues, eh? mm. that man is an enemy of the cross. Mm. Because the Holy Spirit and the young person eh, are the two agents of change in the, in the last days. Mm. Mm. So if you if they tell you there is no speaking in tongues, there's trouble already. Mm. If someone tells you the moment you believe in Jesus Christ, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, that's that's an abortion. Mm. You are aborting the process because we've understood. I mean, I was sharing the other day with some people uh, that you know it is. the most important thing or the most important day is when you become spiritual aware of your existence that's the day you become born again mm -hmm. and sometimes you can be saved for 20 years and you are never spiritual aware of yourself and then one day in a certain meeting your eyes open your ears open your your spirit life comes alive mm -hmm. and then you begin to realize i am a spiritual entity yeah for me mm -hmm. as isaiah Mbuka, yeah Yours truly. That's the day I believe a man is born again. Mm. I don't believe a man is born again any other day until that man becomes aware of who he is spiritually and becomes aware of their existence. That's mm. the day I believe that man is born again. You can be saved even when you're eight years. But the day you become aware, that's the day you become born again. The good thing is we don't count how many years. There is no prize for how many years you've been saved. Mm. Yeah, mm. So we count that point from which the Spirit of God begins to. Mm. Wow. Hey, you know that story, like, like I was saying, it's, 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 it's getting to, it's like my journey is just the young you. You know, I'm talking about you. See, you now you talk about Daystar. You know, we, 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 we even, we, we, we have somebody here who was in the meeting from which I was banned in Daystar. And what you're saying is true. People were carried to their beds. Mm. There are many schools that, that have thrown me out. But you know what? Mm. <laughs> you can't get me off YouTube. Mm. <laughs> and and the, 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 the impact cannot be thrown away because I'm sure in most of these places, like I was saying, like uh, I know like in many of these universities where I was, where I, I had been blacklisted, uh, there are people that we can talk about. There are two, I'll not mention the other universities since it has not been mentioned yet uh, here in Kenya also, but there are people from that university that I know and they are on fire right now. And it's what I normally tell Ratsi people. I tell them when you go to a school, you go to a university, and you're given permission to minister, demonstrate power like crazy. Because if you reserve 
you will never sure get another opportunity yeah. again. Yeah. Let them ban you, but you've for for you can be but, but kept this is out. what I've discovered. Yes. This is what I've discovered. And for me it is good. When there is a school that does not like the Holy Spirit, or like like born agains, a school that restricts born agains, eh? hmm. that is the catalyst for growth. Yeah. We thrive. The church thrives well under persecution. So, uh, to a different chapter, Pastor Moses Dombo. Hey. I met Pastor Moses Dombo in 1988. 88. I was playing a guitar. I was already born again. I was playing a guitar like a young man. Uh, S3, 87, 87, 87, 87, yeah. But we didn't develop a serious relationship until I sat for my S6 in this, S4 in December. So he found me with a guitar. There was a wedding, you know, the wedding of those years. There was no PA system, there was nothing. So there was this wedding, and it was a wedding of cake and soda. One of the girl, one of the guys called Monialo, mm. was getting married and he was the MC. Mm. So I, I, he finds me walking uh, on Road. Was the MC. Yes. Yeah. He was not a pastor by that time. Yeah. So he found, he found me walking on Buganda Road. He was working for World Vision. I'm holding a guitar. He asks me, do you know how to play guitar? I tell, I tell him, yes, I know how to play guitar. And he said, yes, we have a wedding here. We don't have anyone to minister. I said, I'm available. <laughs> wow. I went into the wedding. They gave me a chair. He called me. I sang. The, I was. I knew only three chords: C, <laughs> G, and D. I think. Yeah. I played my three chords and played songs. People got excited. Yeah. And then afterwards, he, he gave me a card. He's the first person to give me a business card. Wow! So he directed me where his office is. Then one day, I said, "Let me go check on him." I went and checked on him. And uh, the friendship did not take off really until when my dad got into hospital, was very sick. That's when I started like, now I was in Escovac, so I would go to hospital, then I would go and see him. But it was like, no, there was no serious commitment. After my dad died, um, he asked me, actually my serious relationship, I think, like for me to begin getting instruction orders and stuff from him was in 1980, 1990. Because after my dad died, that very year, 89, I never had Easter at home, no Christmas at home. He took me to Rakai where he was working. Mm. So 1990, I still went back. So all the December holidays, he would come home and tell my mom, mm. I'm taking Isaiah. Wow. My mother kept asking me, that guy is not a Muganda. Mm. What are you talking with him? Mm. And number two, he's a married man. What kind of conversation are you having with him? But I had a problem at that time. Mm. I was not talking to young people. Mm. The people who understood me were old. Mm. All the girls of my age, none of them wanted to talk to me. Mm. Because number one, when you come near me, you'd come near and say, stop there. You are forgetting yesterday. Ah. Now that one goes and tells people, man, that guy, if you come near him, he knows everything that you're doing. 
<laughs> because at that point I thought if you come near me and you're fornicating yesterday, that thing is going to come upon me. Mm. So like, I would like stop people. Stop there. You are doing this. Now you, this, you, that. And so I terrorized people around me with prophecy. <laughs> and uh, at one point I went to visit and I liked the company of girls because the boys hated me. So I liked the company of girls. But uh, every time I'd be coming, people, you'd find people in prayer. I didn't understand until later someone told me, before you come, we have to repent first. <laughs> <laughs> so that when you see, you see nothing. <laughs> yeah, they are covered. The sins already covered. Wow. So covered I, but not removed. <laughs> So at, at what time did you really get to know, like, he's my spiritual father? Did, did you growing up, because you were in Kepisa and what, there's not really mention of spiritual fatherhood and all that. No, 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 not so, really. So at what time did you get to know that Pastor Dombo is your spiritual father? Actually, or? the relationship kept growing, because in 1991, after my S6, uh, I, I stayed there. Mm. with him and then I, when I went to do my first diploma when I finished it at the end of 1993 he offered me a job mm. so the whole of 1994 I was with him every day mm. every day and mm. me I got a chance I was with him every day from morning to evening Wow. he took me places he taught me stuff Mm. At the end of that year, he went to do his master's. And that same year, the following year, I also went to Zambia to do my other diploma. Mm. So when he came back, I also came back. Mm. And so we continued, that relationship continued. Mm. But we did have that title, spiritual father. I mm. think spiritual father, spiritual father title is a Christ at construction. Because until we started talking about it, all the churches were not talking about it. Mm. It is us who began talking about it. We started about 2015. Mm. 2014. Mm. That's when we started talking about it. And when we started talking about it, that's when other churches now started talking about it. Mm. Seriously. Mm. For me, in my understanding. Because I hadn't heard of it from anyone before. Yeah, because even, even my first experience it in, in, in Christ's heart, that's where I first experienced Now it. it's everywhere. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, uh, so tell us about the time he, he, he gave you the Pujo, the new... Hey! <laughs> so that guy... <laughs> uh, my sister is in first year, I'm in Essex Vac. He has returned, he, he, he had returned from England. Mm. No, I was already in Kumba, that was 1992. 1992, he has come back, and I've also gone to school, I go to see him, and he says to me, do you know how to drive? I told him I know how to drive. But you know, I, I didn't know how to drive. I knew how to drive because we are stealing cars. Okay, it's not called steering, joy riding. Your, your parent parks the car there, you start it, you reverse it, you move it. 500 meters, you bring it back and put it in the exact location. You know, 
So that's the driving I knew. <laughs> so this time around, he asked me, do you know how to drive? I told him, yeah, I know how to drive. <laughs> then we reach the car, and the car is automatic, and he tells me, I cannot give you this as an official car. Yeah. He was working for World Vision. Yeah. So you drive this. And I told him, I've never driven an automatic car before. He told me, yeah, if you know how to drive, it's easy. If you're going to reverse, you put it into what? R. Into R. Yeah. And then uh, it has only two pedals. If you want to stop, you press the left. Brakes. If you want to continue, the right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and for him, he drove and left me there. And he told me, bring the car to the office. Wow. I reversed the car. Took it out. And before I went to the office, I went to see my sister. <laughs> <laughs> And I saw, and I made sure I continued talking to her, and all these girls were seeing me driving a car <laughs> with a British number plate. Hey. I was very anointed, but also cheeky. <laughs> you didn't raise the window. Ah, the window was down. <laughs> and you can imagine walking into a girls' hostel with keys, and you're rolling them on the finger. <laughs> uh, so did 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 some of these uh. These moments, did they, like as a young, a young boy who had been paternally orphaned, like did, 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 did it speak a lot to you? Did you feel like he trusted you? He was... Yes, mm. he did. I think he trusted me more than my dad, more than my dad, my athlete dad did. Mm. Because I think for me to start appreciating my dad, he had got cancer already. Mm. And he didn't know it was cancer, so he was, he was always in pain, mm. always. And you know someone who is in pain, who is unhappy, anything you do just, but he trusted me with the first car I ever drove. Mm. He trusted me, he signed my contract for the first job I ever did, mm. yeah? Mm. He trusted me on pulpits, big pulpits, mm. where they would send him and he cannot go. He gives me transport to go and, 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 and represent him. Mm. Uh, so many things he did to trust me, like, like, like to trust me. And um, for, 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 me, for me, that spoke to me. And also when I go to the place where I was looking for a wife, mm. I took to him many girls, mm. many, as in many. And he kept on saying no. When I took my wife, he told me, that's the one. Wow. Wow. And now 21 years married. 21 years married. Pray for me not to drink the mic. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, I said my, 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 my questions are very random because of time I want to, to get uh, everywhere. Uh, I just remember the name Alex. I don't remember anything else. But you know, I told you I used to follow. I used to read your WordPress. What when I was in college, I would read those. That's how I got. Ah, that's ah, how I got ah, to know ah, about ah. Roy Daman. That's because hey, I would read those posts. You're talking about Alex Okello. Was he Alex Okello? Where you went to mini? Where you? Oh, you, that's the day you I took a bathroom to. break. Then got yes. back to minister. Tell us that story. So one day, uh, we've just come from this Morrisello meeting. Uh, before the Roy Daman meeting. 
That was his fall. Mm. That was his fall. The first time Maurice Oro came, he came to Watoto. It was a small meeting for pastors, but they, uh, they wanted ushers, so we were ushers. And we managed to hear the things of pastors, and eh, wow. they prayed for us also. But uh, wow. anyway, so I, uh, so we went to this home, and they were like, they were like uh, twelve kids. Mm. They wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. They were like first year campus all the way to P7. So this is after Ray, Ray. No, I was not speaking in tongues, oh, okay. but I was praying for people to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's the thing. So Alex, my friend, okay, no, I was not praying for people. Alex, my friend, was praying for people, yeah. and I was the usher. Mm. Like I told you, I'd settled to ushering. Yes, because I said me. Uh, I think I'm not called to speak in tongues. So I had to to ushering. So this particular day we went I, and I waited. I went, I prepared the people. The man of God is coming. When he gets here, be expectant. I said all the things I knew how to, how to say them, but uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. the man of God didn't come. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two o'clock, he didn't show up. Two thirty, didn't show up. Three, didn't show up. And the kids told me, "Mommy comes back at five. None of us have spoken in tongues." And they are, they are praying, repenting. I made them repent of every sin, <laughs> including stealing sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so after, afterwards, I went. To, they told me, "But can't you pray for us?" I said, "Let me come." I remember. <laughs> You know, at that time in Uganda, we had cast of water. I went into the bathroom and I sat on the, on the toilet seat and I said, God, today I am finished. <laughs> I'm finished. For only this time, only this time, only today. Use me. If you don't use me after today, just get me out of this thing. Alive. <laughs> I walked out, laid hands on them, nothing happened. I told them, pray more. I went to the toilet. I said, good. You better show up. I, when I went back the second time, I laid hands on one, and so one began to speak in tongues. I said, the Holy Ghost is here. The rest spoke in tongues. I began praying for people to speak in tongues when me, I was speaking very fast English. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay. God speaks to you that you'll go and study in Britain. Mm. Yeah, you receive a word from God. That's the same time when I was fasting. Mm. The three days. Yeah. He told me about my education and about the ministry. Mm. But then I ended up in Nkumba. And as I was entering Nkumba, Nkumba had only two buildings. <laughs> <laughs> and as, as I looked at them, they were miserable buildings. Very low profile. Whatever roof. As I looked at them, the devil came and spoke to me and he said, International University, indeed. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
if I've ever been hit by discouragement, that was the day, January 1992. I took myself to school. I, I had 3,000 shillings for pocket money. Probably at that point, it was like $5. And I stood at this gate and the devil said, God told you you're going to an international university. You've arrived. Look at it. It's there. <laughs> but I think God was dealing with my pride. I'm telling you, if I had gone straight to university, hmm? I would, I would have been divorced five years of having entered marriage, which would have been a wrong marriage. Because all the girls refused to get married to me because they think I didn't have a degree. And I wanted it that way. Mm. One of them, after turning me down, the following day she meets me mm. at the faculty of arts. She was a finalist, I was a third year. But because I had gone through two years of college, Mm. One year in Zambia, one year of work mm. in World Vision, then one year of S6 work. So I, I was old. Mm. Although I was studying. Yeah, yeah, doing your undergrad. And undergrad. Yeah. So what happened was this girl meets me and asks me, What are you doing here? After turning me down, she had turned me down. The day before, like the, the way you go to church and the girl says, no, we can't have a relationship because uh, you are not, uh, uh, you are not educated. And I kept quiet. I said, it's okay. Uh, incidentally, the girl is still single today. Uh, so she meets me enter, entering the faculty and she asked me, what are you doing here? I told her I've come for class. She told me, she asked me, are you studying here? I told her, yes, I'm studying here. No, that's at Makel. Yes. Mm. So I pulled out my university ID and I showed it to her. She knelt down and uh, I greeted her, but in my heart I said, mm. I can't have a relationship with you. Mm. She tried after that, but Mm. Oh, so fast forward, how does the, the word for UK come to pass, that for the university? It's very interesting. UK, UK was very interesting. My young brother came and told me, by the way, you can apply for masters abroad. And I had time and I had money to surf. In those days, there used to be internet cafes. Hmm. They're still around. Yes, hmm. but there used to be many. Yeah. So I would, I went, hmm. I paid, I began surfing for masters in communication. I started applying. I started sending applications. Some turned me down, some offered me, and they charged me money. Then one day this school tells me, 
Uh, we've put you into the pool, the pool, the pool for scholarships. We've admitted you, we've put you in the pool. There are 153 students who we've also added in the pool. Mm. The moment I had that, I told my wife, I'm going to England to study. I told her, don't involve me in tomato issues, onion issues, <laughs> groundnuts and stuff, bread. Uh, me now, I'm thinking international things. <laughs> I received an email the following week telling me they have removed 100, they have removed uh, about 30 people and uh, we are left about 120 something. I was there. They cut the number down to 87, 53, 30, 22, 9. Eh? And when it got down to the last five, I was in the last five. And a man told me that, uh, why are you crying? <laughs> Bishop, <laughs> you told your wife to. <laughs> You're now thinking international things. You're thinking at at international level. Don't don't involve me in tomato business. And I told her I'm not local. I'm even not thinking locally. <laughs> <laughs> so they, so they, 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 they told me that if you do not hear from us, it will be very difficult for us to write to you if you don't go through. Mm. You are five, we have only two scholarships. Mm. I told my wife, I am going. I began putting my stuff together. Mm. One day I went to check the email. Mm. And they said, with pleasure, we want to inform you that you've won a scholarship to come wow. and study. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Full of pain. Wow. And during this time, did you, did you remember that word? That no, word I didn't I remember. Oh. I was on the plane now, yeah. leaving to go and study. Mm. Sleep came upon me just after this, the plane has just taken off. Sleep took, took me. Heavy sleep, and the voice said to me, tap, someone tapped me on the shoulder and, and talked to me in a whisper. Do you remember International University? Wow. I could tell the voice, there was so much happiness in the voice. But I tried to turn my neck to see the person talking to me, but my neck was frozen. And tears began coming out of my, my hands. And the person did like this, like like when someone finishes talking to you, eh? Yes, and they pat you. And the you. moment, mm -hmm. like, you, they pat you to tell you that I've gone. That's when I... They yeah, left, no. and I tried to look, and when I tried to look, I saw nothing, but there were tears in my eyes. And uh, from that day, I learned that God values one thing majorly, his name and his faithfulness. Amen. So... Amen. So you did a master's in communication? Masters in international journalism. International journalism. On a Sky News scholarship. So I worked in Sky News. I was the, the biscuit of Sky News. And every, every, every week I would go there. And I was there. 
I was on their scholarship. They would take me. I worked on different desks, foreign desk, economy desk, and mm. it was a beautiful experience. Wow. Are you yeah. still passionate about journalism? Do you? I am. I would be. Mm. I am. I would be. But the problem is now the gospel. Mm. Every time I feel like I want to do something in journalism, I look at the time and I feel like I just need to do more preaching. Mm. But I still love cameras. I still do a lot of camera work. Mm. But I still feel the call to to go to return into journalism um, as I free my time from uh, from the pastoring of a local church. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to return to it mm. because also having spent uh, 15 years lecturing, mm. I've produced many students who who are performing up to a certain level. Mm. And sometimes you feel like this thing could have been better. Mm. This interview could have been better. This thing could have been done better. This documentary missed this and missed that. Mm. So those sometimes are things that make me feel like I should get back in there mm. and give them a pace. Mm. Yeah. Now we've talked about uh, three people, Alex, Pastor Dombo, Roy Daman. Now we want to talk about Mami Deborah Mbuga. Mm. Okay, what do you want? Okay, yeah, we can talk about it. Yes, anything that comes to your, to your mind, anything that you would have to tell questions. us. Yes? <laughs> that she's my wife of 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where did we meet? Yes. Tell you know, we went to the same school. University. School. <laughs> she did her HSC from Mango. Yes. But me, I had already graduated. I had already left Mango. Yeah. But because I used to go back to preach, I used to go there as a visiting preacher. Wow. And uh, to tell you the truth, I, I didn't I didn't see it coming. Mm. So when she went to campus, she's, because she was in the school, I'd seen her. I would go by to encourage to encourage them. I would go through, like I would go. Uh, I would have a visiting rotor. Mm. I'm going to see ten people today. Mm. I would make appointments with them. I'm coming. So I would preach to their roommates. I'll tell them I'm coming from 9 to 9.30. I will preach to their roommates, then leave that room, go to another room, preach to their roommates, then move to leave that hall, go to another hall, do the same. Like, I would visit, like, all the halls. Mm. I would start in the morning at 9 mm. and finish, like, at 8 p.m., moving room to room ministering. So even at campus, I would go to her room, and uh, the only thing that really stood out from all the other people was that because I used to foot a lot, my shoes would have a lot of dust. And the moment I would reach her room, she would get out a brush and tell me, brush your shoes. <laughs> Every time I would go to her room, she would tell me, brush your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> she now took that over. I don't brush my shoes. I rarely do. She does. Mm. She does that. She does a good job there. <laughs> 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 
and uh, being be, like what what things have you seen maybe from her I know you as a husband other wife there are things that you may have seen that you really love and would like to like the examples if you are talking to young wives of ministers is there something particular that you would say many things many things i would say many things but uh if i'm to speak to a wife of a minister yes please understand that your husband a pastor usually has two wives you have wife number one the church and then you have wife number two the wife both of them will be fighting that must be understood if you as a woman will not understand that church is your co-wife you'll be frustrated. Mm. And it's a co-wife of choice. Mm. Because before you married this man, you knew he's going to be a man of God. I mean, I told her before I married that I am going to be a pastor. Mm. And I've lived true to my word. Now, you can imagine I'm here. I'm arriving home at uh, probably 2.30 a.m. Oh. At 6, I'm leaving. I have a breakfast meeting at, at 8 o'clock. So at 6, I am leaving to go into that breakfast meeting because of the chairman of that meeting. So I'll be seeing I'll be seeing my other wife the church spending more time there than the physical wife. So it's it's good to want to marry a man of God but make sure your motives are right. Because sometimes seeing a man of God sometimes women fall in love with the power a man carries. You understand? Yeah. You stand, you sit here and you're having all this power. Everyone is looking at you. Some people look at it as 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 something being romantic, but <laughs> when you start living in it, it'll become like a movie. To become like a movie and it's possible for you to die in your own movie when you <laughs> Because ideally a pastor who has a passion for ministry eh? yeah. will, will in most cases choose ministry over their spouse. If you put two things there, you say, choose wife or ministry. Are you going to stay home, make your wife happy? And if you stay home this weekend, next weekend you go preaching. Because there is a satisfaction that you get from ministry that sex can't give you. This is hard. Mm. But right now we've changed the vows in our church. We tell people to, to make a vow to their spouse that their love for God will be greater than their love for one another. Mm. You sign up. So those of you who are saying, I want a man of God, please don't fall in love with pomp with suits, with power, 
and with church money. Because <laughs> the man is dressed nicely, the man has a lot of power, so you think you, ah, we are going to be, no. Once he's a man of God, you're going to be sharing half of his life with other people. I'm being honest with you. People die or people get too close to death at 2 a.m. in the night and you're called upon. 2 a.m. 2 a.m. And you cannot delegate. You call the pastor. You call your assistant and the phone is off. You call his wife, the phone is off. You call your assistants, the phones are off. And yours was on. You thought you, you switched it off, but you didn't. <laughs> and you have to tell your wife, I am going to the hospital right now. Hmm. These girls who get pregnant in church, and the boys run away. They get to a point where, and the families are not aware. You keep a secret, and you get to a point where they're going to give birth, and they need someone to sign so they can do a Caesar. And they say, they check in your, their phone, and their phone has my dad, Bishop. The hospital calls you, and you're supposed to show up. <laughs> I'm telling you. But this is even harder. There are some, okay, I've not gotten to do it. I fear to do it like two, three times. But there are some girls who, who have asked me, asked for my name, like for me to help them use my name in order to, to register their babies. And, uh, and you hear? You hear how people are saying, ah? That's being self-righteous. I'm, I'm still self-righteous at that point, but there is somebody who I did it to, and they had no one to help them out. Of course, it, it affects your reputation, but what reputation have you got? It's hard. It's very, very hard, but if there's any lesson I'm going to share with you, don't fall in love with a man of God because you see him on pulpit. If you see you can add no value to him, leave him. Never marry someone you have, you have no, you can add no value on. And two, never marry someone you cannot totally submit to. If you're wiser than the man, don't marry them. If you're more intelligent, if your brain works faster, if the man is a bit slow, he's a bit laid back, and you, you are a fighter, you are a hustler, Leave, leave, leave that slow man for a slow woman. Because that is the very thing that attracts you to the man. Because opposites attract is what is going to become your contention. My wife is very, very calm. My contention with my wife 
is around time. I cannot tell you she does this, she does this, she does that. But the only contention, major fight in our marriage is about time management. I am a time manager. I manage my time. I plan my things. I plan my routes. Even the route I'm going to use, I plan it. Even the time I leave, I plan it. Mm. And when I'm going to leave, I tell you, I'm going to leave at 6 a.m. Mm. I will tell you, mm. 6 a.m. I will be at the door, opening it. And before 6.01, I'm outside of the gate. I believe in keeping time. Mm. My wife, if you tell her you're going to wed people at 10 mm. and you want her to escort you, at 10 you're sitting in the car to leave home. And we'll go quarreling. I'll, no, she doesn't quarrel. I'll go quarreling. <laughs> <laughs> All the way. She doesn't quarrel. My wife does not quarrel. It's me. Oh, I'll quarrel. I, I will I'll go quarreling all the way to church. So I got I got her car. In order to reduce on the quarrels. But the problem is it was a small car, it was a Subaru Impreza. And uh, me, I was driving, at that time I was driving a Nissan Pathfinder. Terrano Pathfinder. So she was saying, oh, you see, the, Lord, the, the lorries are going to knock me. So I told her, okay, now let's do this. You drive this big car. And I me give me the time, me give me the whatever. So, <laughs> so whenever I'd sit in the impresa, before you know it, she's coming in. I said, <laughs> so this is not about you being knocked. No, we are a couple. We need to go together. I, said, <laughs> I told her, me, I'm not a politician. <laughs> we are married and we are good. If you keep time, we go together. <laughs> if you don't keep time, you drive yourself. And so. I began lying to her, like if the wedding is at 10, I would say it is at 9. So we leave at 9 and we get there on time. <laughs> so really, really the, 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 the issue that, that for me I'll tell you mm. is that basically time management. Mm. And of course it's understandable. She manages the home, she manages the children, and me and the pastor just come out of my bed, dress up, everything is organized, and she keeps telling me, but I organize all your things, and I also need time to organize mine, but I told her, I told you I'm leaving at 10. <laughs> so I think she's settling in with that. It has been a bit difficult for her, me leaving her and then we are going to the same church. <laughs> but I told her, you take your time. If we are not going to quarrel, it's okay. And then she tells me about self-control, and I tell her, yeah, but <laughs> not when I'm going to wed people. 
if it's about me, I can wait. But ministry, I cannot wait. So that's that. Uh, yes, about family. Lastly, children, you now have a son joining university. Mm. And I remember there is a certain time you are telling me that it's good to have at least, you are telling me not to just have one child. Mm. Uh, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's not. By the way, I even regret having three. I should have had like five. Yeah, you told me that. Yeah. So, you have a chance to have children, have them. Have you had? <laughs> have them as many as you can look after. Mm. Mm. Or as many as your wife can afford to give. There are some women who cannot push. They're going to cut you, you stop on three. Mm. That when you do twins, two pairs of twins, three pairs of twins, you know, you conclude quickly. Six. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, lastly, we'll talk about Christ's heart. Tell us how, how Christ's heart, we, when Christ had begun, how Christ had begun. I was a lecturer in uh, UCU, that's Mukono. And at that time, there was child sacrifice in, uh, in Mukono. Mukono is one of the oldest villages in Uganda. It's, it's one of the oldest villages in Uganda. Actually, uh, about five years ago, no, 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 about 10 years ago, we discovered Iron Age smelting furnaces in Mukono area, Iron Age smelting furnaces. And I was the journalist who was covering the excavation. So if there's been activity since Iron Age, there's been human settlement around that area. So there's been uh, conjuring of spirits and uh, the atmosphere. Actually, every third home is it believes in traditional worship. So they were practicing child sacrifice. Rituals. So in, 1980, in 2007, they were sacrificing a child every day. Every single day. The newspaper was saying another child was found, another child was found, another child was killed, another child was killed, another child was killed. And I was teaching at a Christian university, and the Lord began to challenge me. He said, you know, you have a Christian university that is not affecting the community. And you, you, have, you have a Christian university that has been here since the 1940s, and it is not affecting this community. You need to do something. So I began to feel the desire to do something to stop to stop witch, to stop that witchcraft to stop the accidents so that's how and, and during that same time my pastor the pastor of the church where I was pastoring decided to to let me go under very unclear circumstances and I accepted I went home and spent 6 months in the house 
seeking God, telling God, show me where to go. At the end of six months, I went to Mkono to start a church. As soon as we started the church, one week, he called me back to pastor. I told him, sir, you're one week late. Uh, I've just begun a church and I can't close it. So that's Christ had starts in 2007. It split in 2016. Uh, we had reached about 4,000 people. It split. A major one. We remained with 200 people in the church. That's when God told us to start building the church with 200 people. And we built the church. 200 people. And uh, right now we have about 40 branches. Mm. And uh, we are still growing. Mm. We still believe one day we'll have a church here in Nairobi. Amen. Yeah, one day. We, we, I still believe. Nairobi, as we are driving today, mm. I realize this city is too big. Mm. They told me this city has six million people. It has six million people. We can have a hundred churches mm. and still not even be able to cover half of this church. Yeah. We can make a plan to put a church in every hall available in this city mm. and still not get 10% of the population of Nairobi into church. Mm. We can use every school hall available and still not get 10% of the Nairobi population into a church. Mm. So I don't believe we'll be able to have churches here. But for now, we are happy to support you. And all the people that I get, I send them here. Mm. All the people that contact me, I send them here. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Bishop. Thank you so much for believing in us. Thank you for impacting our lives. I know there are many stories that we would have told. I Okay, maybe just one bonus one. What is the craziest thing? Or it may not be the craziest, but the most vivid that has happened as a demonstration of power, faith, uh, one of the ones that normally comes to my mind, I told people even today when you came to Bukalas and said, that roof is going to go off. And in less than a week, that roof went off. So I don't know what is yours. What, what have you, I know there is, was it in Zambia where you were preaching and a man wanted to stop the service and the power of God carried him upside oh. down? Oh. In, yeah. I was in Zambia, but for me, for me, God being able to to work in people's lives mm. where I am not, mm. God confirming His word mm. to me is still the most important thing that I've seen. One of them has been the issue of. Uh, angels locating lost things. Mm. That to me still stands out. Mm. The other one, resurrection on the phone. Mm. I've performed several resurrections on the phones. Mm. Unfortunately, most of the people that benefit from our ministry, they don't come. Mm. After they, you, you do stuff for them, they leave. Mm. Mm. But I've seen crazy stuff and I'm still seeing. Mm. 
crazy stuff, mad people. Mm. Um, then blessings, people, blessings, then rain. Like you remember, we are in the middle of rain season. Yes. I just sent out a prayer and I said, God, I don't want a single drop of rain at the church during, during Vajas Woman. Yeah. And there was no rain. The day mm. we closed it rained. The whole night. I was praying for Nairobi today. I told God, they told me, you people don't come to church when it when it when it rains. Do you know we were coming in all around Nairobi? It was raining. It was dark. It was today as we were coming in. Mm. The moment we, we came into near the airport, man, it was bright. Mm. And I'm saying, wow, God, even in Nairobi. Mm. So for me to control weather, I think for me that's the most outstanding. Mm. Weather. Mm. Mm. Weather. I think for me, working with weather, working with the elements mm. of the world, I think for me that's it's the most outstanding. Wow. Mm. Because w w weather cannot lie. Mm. People can lie mm. and pretend. I, am I? Pro mm. Is this true? Mm. Yeah, prophesying man of God. When they don't really. <laughs> but whether when you say one time, I think my greatest miracle happened when I was in uh, in uh, the Twin Cities of United States. What's that place called? Illinois, Chicago. Mm. I come from a place called um, South Bend. I had a meeting there. Now, in the South Bend meeting, the pastor got very angry with me because I began to prophesy to people using hearing aids that why should you, are you a Pentecostal? You believe God can fill you with the Holy Spirit and you're using a hearing aid. The hearing aid should create faith in you to believe. And so the guy got angry with me, told me there are people here using hearing aids. Wow, well, you're so insensitive. But you know, in that very service, there's a girl who had come and she was going to commit suicide. I called her out and I told her. And, and she, she said she hadn't told anybody about it, but she was going to do it that day. So she had come to church to talk to God that she was coming. Oh. I called her out, prophesied to her. Hmm. And we stopped the suicide. Hmm. Then I left the meeting. When I left that meeting, I took a flight to to Chicago in order to get a, another flight taking me to Washington DC because the following morning I was on an Emirates flight coming back. Mm. So when we landed in uh, in Chicago, O'Hare Airport, O'Hare, O'Hare or something like that, mm. we we were told all flights going going uh, east mm. where were blocked because there was a storm and were expecting a storm in that very airport mm. so they said go find a hotel and sleep and I said by the way I booked a ticket tomorrow morning and the person told me well we would have rebooked you for free but because you are on a different airline I told her but you're supposed to deliver me to DC so I picked the phone to tell my spiritual father that the flight has been cancelled. When the plane, when the phone call went through, and I said hello, the spirit of God told me, "Uh huh." What are you going to tell him? 
Before I answered the spirit of God, I, I answered my spiritual father. And I answered the spirit of God in the same voice. I said, Mose, I am coming. But the flight has just been canceled. Do you understand? Yes. So I told the Holy I did what the Holy Spirit wanted. I told the Holy Spirit, what I'm going to tell him is I'm coming. Mm. And so people we were like uh, 60 people. Mm. And so people started leaving. They went and they said, you can leave in the morning. Mm. But the morning we wanted to leave was wrong. So I began to pray. I began to pray. I began to pray. You know when the, when the, when the whole weather is gray, mm. all of a sudden where I was, I started seeing like a small circle on the floor. Light had pierced through. I began to pray. I began to pray. I began to pray. Guess what happened? The clouds cleared. Wow. When the clouds cleared, they, they said, well, the, 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 the canceled flight can now depart. We, they said, if you're here, you're going to Washington, D.C., we, we get onto the plane right now and we leave. Listen, after we took off, it's like the clouds made way for us. After we took off, the clouds came back. Wow. And while we're in the plane, this is proved. The, the captain, the pilot said, you cannot believe it, that this is the only plane flying eastwards this evening. Mm. The other, the, the, the bad weather seems to have only cleared for us. Wow. So I flew. Yeah. And go to this. So when you talk about the most, I have many musts. Mm. But this one is wow. outstanding. Amen. Wow. We, we will, I know this is, we, we need a part to Bishop. This is the time you're coming for a whole week. We should do this again. Every day. Every day. Wow. Yes. Wow. There are many more stories. During the time I was with Bishop in Tanzania, I got time to talk like this, and I, I wished there was a camera rolling. Every time I was asking him many stories, many, many. The, the ones he's made in brief, he told me the stories in Raqqa, in Masaka, I mean in Zambia. All those stories he was telling me, but today we've just put them in brief. And When I just landed in England that time, let me tell this story. Yes. Because it's very important. Yes. I landed in England and uh, they took me to church and the church I went to, they told me, ah, the pastor is very strict, he doesn't share a pulpit. So I show up and on that day they had someone from South Africa. You see, in, in Britain, they believe uh, from South Britain, Africa. South Africa, Africa, Nairobi, Nigeria, then the rest. The rest. <laughs> so, of course, now the pastor from South Africa takes precedence. So the guy comes, he takes, tells his jokes, he tells jokes, I get angry. I get angry. So finally, of course, I was there and they hadn't given me time. So after the guy gives, uh, gives um, whatever, so I, uh, they call me. They said, well, we have a brother. They told the pastor, I am a pastor. He calls me, we have a brother 
visiting from Uganda. Can he come and say hello? Ha 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 ha. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I got onto the pulpit. They gave me three minutes. As I began to share, three minutes, the pastor came back and said, can you take at least two more? When he said, take two more, I said, these two minutes are my golden minutes. I said, Holy Ghost, can we do something in two minutes? He gave me a green light. I prophesied in two minutes, half the church was down on the floor in tears under the Holy Spirit. That day, a woman calls me, I mean, comes to me and says, while I was down there, the Lord told me you don't have a flat tire. I said, it is true. You also don't have chairs in your room. I said, it's true. You also haven't been given money. I said, it's true. She wrote me a check of a thousand pounds. Yeah? Yeah. And gave me all the stuff we needed, pots, chairs. Oh, this is when you've just gone to yes, study. to study, wow. yeah. Wow, wow. The stuff we needed. Wow. But the power demonstrated when I handed over the microphone to the pastor, he said, this is a prophet, a mighty man of God. <laughs> Not a brother anymore. <laughs> <laughs> It has taken him very many years to actually believe that. Uh, that uh, but soon, yeah. you see, sometimes things, good things, can, God can take many years to prove a point. Mm. I mean, I, I want to tell you, don't never be in a hurry to make your own cloud. Let God build a cloud for Amen. you. Amen. One day when it is well set, mm. all eyes will be on you. And God will honor you the way you're supposed to be honored. Mm. Don't fight for little glory. Don't fight for vain glory. Mm. Don't try to prove a point to any man. Mm. Wait on God. The mm. day God comes out. Mm. In your defense, mm. you'll be glad you didn't fight. Amen. Amen. Drops the mic. <laughs> Amen. Have we enjoyed this? Yes. Do you want part two to come?